Welcome to Education Matters, powered by My School Options, Season 1, Episode 1. Today's episode will cover the landscape of education in Indiana. The state of Indiana has been educating its residents for over 150 years. As a matter of fact, since the beginning of the state's constitution, there was a clause in there that the state of Indiana would be responsible for educating its citizens. So, for over 150 years, the state of Indiana has been offering education to all of Indiana's residents. Education in Indiana reflected the agrarian society in which we live for many years. And that worked. As our economy began to transform into the Industrial Revolution, many of our schools began to prepare our children for the factory setting. And for many years, that was the way that we were educating our children. But now, as we begin the information age, we find that our children are learning much different and need many different things in order to be successful in education. Individualized learning, customization, is exactly what today's children need in order to be successful in education. And when we talk about school choice, that's exactly what we are talking about, is the fact that every child is unique and every child learns different. And as such, every child should have the opportunity to be placed in a learning environment that best suits their needs. And that's where we will begin today's discussion. This is Education Matters with My School Options. So here we are in 2024 in our current education system. And in this system, we use different tools to help us measure student success, understand where our kids are across the state. And today we're going to talk with Molly Collins, the Executive Director of Legislative and Government Affairs for the Institute for Quality Education. She has uh, a really great background in understanding policy, legislation, and everything that goes on at the State House. Molly started her legislative career as an intern in the Indiana House and then moved on to being a legislative assistant for the Speaker of the House, Todd Houston. She's worked in other areas as a legislative director for the Indiana BMV, and uh, we're very excited to have her join our team just a few short years ago and serving as our legislative director. Whenever she came on board, Molly's first year as um, our, our lobbyist for the Institute for Quality Education was the first year that we had that big expansion where we expanded school choice to um, the, the biggest in a, in a decade. So we're very excited to have Molly on our team. Welcome, Molly. Do you want to kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about like, your role and, and what you do here at IQE? Yeah, thanks for having me, Sarah. So essentially, I am the lobbyist at IQE. I am the one who is over at the State House. I work directly with the legislators. Um, and other elected officials to ensure that our legislation gets passed, build coalitions, anything that I can do to help support school choice. And we also work to provide legislators with information on school choice so that they are fully prepared and educated when talking to other legislators, to constituents, anyone in their district. It's awesome. Uh, so that's you. That's your role. You're, you're there on the state house working tirelessly every session 
But there's also, you have an understanding of the things that we use to measure success, right? Like one, our IREAT scores. So we looked at some data and it says that nearly one in five students struggle or cannot read. So that's, according to, to one in five, that's about 14,000 students that did not pass IREAT in 2022. I mean, 14,000, that's a small city. That, that's a lot of kids. You know, knowing these numbers, Molly, uh, what is the importance of literacy in education? Literacy is critical for every single student. So that's essentially the basis that every child, every adult, everyone needs in order to be successful in life. Those who are who do not have or are not proficient in literacy by the end of third grade, they're more likely to end up incarcerated. They're less likely to graduate. They are less likely to really have success beyond high school, whether that be college or career. So literacy is the key thing that we build our entire education upon. It's the foundation. Absolutely. So um, looking at that, which populations are struggling the most? Unfortunately, those that are struggling, it tends to be the English language learners, the minority populations, especially in urban areas, as well as special needs, really who we see um, in a lot of these categories that tend to be struggling, unfortunately. Okay. So uh, there's iRead. iRead is this test that we use to determine if kids can read at third grade reading level. But, you know, here we are, we're laying that foundation. Um, in reading, and then we're all driving these to kids to graduate. So our state rates, how are the graduation rates doing compared to a decade ago? So our scores in 2023 are the second highest percentage of graduates since the state really first began collecting data, which was in 2012. So our highest graduation rate since we started collecting was actually in 2016 at 89.1%. And this year, we are now, or in 2023, I should say, our grad rate was 88.98%. Wow. So that's good news for us, right? Yeah, this is the highest it's been post-COVID. So it has increased. So we looked at the graduation rates compared to a decade ago, or, you know, that, that we are at the highest. What other numbers kind of pop out to you when it comes to graduation rates? So once again, it's those populations that are struggling. We consistently see the theme of the same um, student populations who are not quite exceeding as much as some of the others may be. So we're seeing minority students, um, so specifically talking about Black students, Hispanic students, once again, the English language learners. I didn't mention previously, but free reduced price meal students, those that are receiving those, they are tend to be lower in their grad rates. Also looking back at the IRATE 3 scores, they tend to be lower than some of their, their peers, uh, which is unfortunate. While they may be still seeing increases, it's not on the same level as the other ones. So we will take free reduced price lunch students, those that are receiving free reduced price meals. So they had an increase from 83.74% in 2022 in their grad rate up to 88.74%. So there was a pretty substantial increase. Um, 
I guess maybe that's not even the best one to include because they they're almost right up there actually. That's a that's a good jump for that. That yeah. Um I'd say so a lower one actually. This is probably a better stat to use. So statewide the graduation rate for black students increased in 2022 from 77.52% up to 82.43%. So that's still oh. a big jump. But compared to that statewide graduation rate of um, those with a waiver of 88.9%, the black students at 82.43% is still quite a bit lower. Um, And then if we look at Hispanic students, um, while theirs is a little bit higher, their grad rate, it still is a little lower than um, I'd like to see. It's 86.41%. Um, So there are um, some big bumps that we're seeing um, in this post-COVID world, which is very exciting, but we still got work to do. Well, that's that's great to hear that that we are seeing improvements, especially in those underserved communities. Um, It's nice to see that that those numbers are going up. But what you're saying is, um, though their numbers are increasing pretty drastically, it sounds like it's still not at it needs to be according to statewide average. Yeah, uh, there is definitely improvement, uh, really on all fronts. Um, even though we've improved uh, to nearly eighty-nine percent, I mean that should be ninety-five percent. That should be a hundred percent. Every student should be able to graduate. But another interesting point is that we actually saw a decrease um, in the students that are utilizing a waiver in order to um, meet their uh, diploma requirements and graduate. So that decreased those that are using it by about four or five percent in this past year. Um, and there, while it's an improvement, there's still work to go. So, what do you mean by waiver? What does that mean? So, essentially, a waiver it's a student who um, who is not completing or passing some graduation requirements. They can still qualify for a diploma if they demonstrate knowledge and skills. So, they, they can be given a waiver. Um, usually these are intended for special circumstances. Um, for instance, a student who might transfer from a, a new school um, or from a different school, uh, as well as a student who has attempted to complete certain tests at least three times. They can be given a waiver so that that allows them, even though they may not have met all the graduation requirements, um, they can still graduate. Interesting. Well, that's that's good to know. Uh, Unfortunately, in recent years, a lot of the graduation waivers have really um, have been overused. Um, (laughs) So it's nice to see that there's actually less students that are meeting these way or using these waivers and that instead they're meeting the graduation requirements. Wow. Wow. So here we are. You know, we're seeing some strides in graduation rates. Uh, We're seeing some improvements there. And then we talked about our um, our iRead scores and what that looks like. That iRead is our liter- literacy test for the state. We also have iLearn, which serves to measure student achievement and growth in an array of different topics, depending on the grade level um, in which the child takes iLearn, determines the category or subject in which that student will take a test. Uh, so Molly... How are we doing with iLearn? What, what, are, what do these scores look like and what story do they tell? 
this is another area in which we really need to improve as a state. Um, while there's been some improvements here and there, um, right now, so in 2023, the iLearn results showed that 40.7% of all Hoosier students, they're either at or proficient um, in English language arts. So only 40.7%. Oh, and then if you're going to look at math, that's 40.9% of students are either at or above these proficiency standards. And then once you combine those two categories of English language arts and math, it really drops down. So those students that are proficient in both with a combined score of 30.6%. So that's a 10% decrease that we're seeing there. Um, so there is, once again, continued work to be done. Um, but there are, there are some bright spots in the state when it comes to iLearn. What is that? So what are these bright spots? So specifically, when you're looking at um, statewide, some of the, the schools that are truly succeeding and doing well, the actual top two iLearn performing schools in both 2022 and in 2023, they were non-public voucher accepting schools. Wow. So you have St. Peter and Paul School. Um, at 82.9% uh, proficiency rate. And then you have, say, Wendell School at 82.8% proficiency rates. Um, now, I'd still love to see even those scores higher, but it's exciting to see that some of these small non-public schools with students accepting vouchers are really um, performing well for their students. Out of um, the top 50 schools, top 50 performing schools in our state, Molly, uh, what is the breakdown of those like between the different types of school options? So 24, and if you're looking at the top 50, 24 of those schools are non-public voucher accepting schools. And when you're looking at the top 10, six of them are voucher accepting non-public schools as well. Yeah, so these schools are really performing. Um, and it's exciting to see what these students are doing. Wow. Molly, do you want to talk about, let's see, out of the, the top 10, um, isn't Signature in there? Do you want to talk about a charter school while we're? Yeah, I mean, so it's not necessarily for iLearn, but in general, uh, a school that's really doing great things in Indiana is Signature School. They um, are a public charter school down in Evansville. They actually have students that come from other states uh, just to attend this school, and they are consistently for years. Uh, have been ranked one of the top high schools in Indiana and nationwide. So specifically wow. this year, they are number one in Indiana for high schools and number two nationwide. And that's by U.S. News that's doing the ranking. Um, but it's based on a few factors, but essentially it's based on student performance. Uh, so it's really exciting to see what they're doing down in Evansville. Well, that makes us proud, right? You know, uh, who's your school doing big things? So we talked about who is doing well. Now, um, we've talked about iLearn. We've talked about iRead, graduation rates. So, um, Molly, why aren't we succeeding? I, I thought, you know, we had school choice options. We, had, we have programs available to help families afford whatever school that they want for their child. Uh, we are a school choice state leading the nation. You know, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, we do have options in Indiana. We have public charter schools. We have 
non-public schools that utilize vouchers, education scholarship account. We have public-to-public transfer. I mean, the list is endless in the type of options that we have, um, but there are quite a few barriers. For instance, we don't have transportation for every child. Um, some schools, uh, some non-public schools, some public charter schools have buses or transportation that they provide. And then, of course, you have the traditional public schools that have their bus system. Um, but it's not widely used. Not every single child has access to transportation to take them to the school of their choice. They may have access to transportation to take them to um, the local school in the area, but not necessarily the school that's the best fit for them. So that is one of the largest barriers. You don't truly have school choice if you can't get there. And then uh there's also a small, we need to build capacity. And so looking at rural areas, um, they may only have one non-public school in the area and then their traditional public school, and that may be it. Uh, Charters are concentrated in urban areas. So think of Lake County, think of Marion County. Uh, You don't necessarily have them in some of the small rural areas. Um, And there's only so many non-public schools to go around. There is room to grow on all fronts. Um, Not every single school does public-to-public transfer either. Um, That is left up to the school to decide if they want to utilize that. Many schools do, but not every single school does. Uh, So that right there can be quite quite a barrier for students to access. So... um... So what is the answer, Molly? What do we need so that all kids have educational freedom? I mean, ultimately, universal school choice is the goal. We're nearly there with the voucher program um, or the Indiana Choice Scholarship in which about 97% of families can access that and utilize a voucher to attend a non-public school of their choice. But that's not 100%. Uh, so, so that is just one way um, in which we can really kind of close that gap for families to access the school of their choice. Uh, But also we need to be fully funding students. Public charter schools don't receive all property tax dollars. Um, There's some, I guess I'm trying to say like some do, some don't, because we passed some legislation that would allow some, but not all. Public charter schools don't have complete access to um, local property tax dollars. That right there is a barrier in which these students are not fully funded. Uh, virtual charter students only receive 85, 85% of um, the state tuition support, as opposed to 100% oh. or voucher students, they receive 90%. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but looking at virtual, they're the lowest um, on the totem pole, unfortunately, in terms of the funding they receive. So, fully funding all students. Not one student type is worth less dollars than the others. They should all be receiving 100%, um, especially when you're looking at that 85%. Um, it, it's unfortunate that one child is worth something different compared to another child. That's a good point, Molly. Molly, is there anything else that you would like to add? You know, looking at the education landscape that sits here in Indiana, um, anything that you want to add? Um, any other extra data points you'd like to add? Uh, not necessarily data, but I, I would say just in general, if given more options and opportunities, more kids will have the ability to truly show what they can do, to truly perform at the highest levels. Um, I, I wholeheartedly believe that the more options, the more competition that we have, 
Um, it allows all boats to rise, all schools will rise to level, um, and all students will be better for it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Molly, for joining us today and sharing some of your your knowledge and wisdom on this topic. Uh, we really appreciate you. We appreciate what you do for students across the state at the State House. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us today on this episode of Education Matters. And and this is why education matters. And that's why education matters. If you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, and help us get the word out about school choice and all the options available here in the state of Indiana.